For the millions of visitors who come to Washington, D.C., one of the most popular destinations is Lafayette Park across from the White House. There is no longer vehicle traffic on Pennsylvania Avenue in front of the president's house, but you can often find a crowd on the street, most having fun or taking pictures. Since 1981, there has also been a peace vigil on the spot, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can't miss it. To find out how it all works, we talked with a veteran of the anti-war, anti-nuclear protest, a man who has been there for close to 40 years, Filippos Melikou Bello. Filippos, how do you pronounce your last name? Melikou Bello. Where are you from? Well, from Ethiopia, and my mother's from Amazon. How did you get to the United States? I have very strong wings and I flew. <laughs> no, no, um, we flew um, and uh, came when I was three years old um, and stayed here till I was about to turn seven and then returned here when I was 10. No, a few months, a couple months before 10. How would you describe where we are? We are in... Um, we're on federal property. It's Lafayette Square. Uh, it's across the street from the White House in Washington, D.C. And it's um, got three different jurisdictions of officers within a 15-foot area. Where we are is actually park police. Once you step over the sidewalk, it is metropolitan police. And then Secret Service also can have domain over doing things right in this area well as well so there's three different police jurisdictions right here within a, within five to ten yards from each other i'm looking at your i guess we'd call this your home or your hut i'll call it a display i mean hut home what's it made vigil, of, by the way? pvc cinder blocks um, my old uh, crutches so my crutches were rated at 280. They can extend to six foot ten for like a large football player, and because I have them on each corner, um, they have a little bit of sway. So in hard wind, it actually does not topple, and it's it's pretty close to dome, which is the ancient design that a lot of people had domes, which makes it aerodynamic. As I look at your display here, there's all kinds of messages. Congress passed the Federal Death Penalty Prohibition Act. Now I look over here and I see the Dalai Lama. I see another sign here, 41 years, 24-7, 365 days, anti-nuclear peace vigil. What, what, what would you call this and how, how are you allowed to be here 24 hours a day? Well, there's a little document um, that people should know about and it's called the Constitution of the United States of America. And everybody that's ever been in Congress and everybody that's ever sat across the street in the White House and just to my right, to your left, in the Eisenhower Executive Building and before the Eisenhower Executive Building, the Vice President of the United States and Secretary of State have all sworn to defend the Constitution and the people of the United States of America from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And then I say that many that took that vow Failed dramatically in keeping the vow. How long has this vigil been right here if people come to Lafayette Park and want to visit the White House from outside? Okay, so 
It was on the White House side of the street until 1984. After 84, it was on this side of the street. William Thomas Helen Beck, my godfather, he's the one that started the vigil. And he started with picket signs, two messages, one in one hand, front and back, one in the other hand, front and back. So there's four total messages. Wanted wisdom and honesty, no nukes now, human rights, violations are a front to humankind and then the symbol for the nuclear device. So how much time do you personally spend here and what are the rules that your permit has to tell you how long you can stay here? Well, we can stay here because part of it is that Ronald Reagan forgot to put an end date on the permit. Um, but um, it's been challenged in court. Um, there's presidents that thought that there should be no um, no protesting in front of any federal uh, property, meaning throughout the United States. But he was defeated easily because the First Amendment says that we have the right to freedom of speech, expression. Um, it says that we have right to the uh, lawful gathering of the people and the right to petition our Congress, I mean our government, for a redress of grievances. That's government. I'm petitioning them with regress of grievances. Simply in modern English, not in 1780s English, to come out and speak out and speak out about the government. We're not running down the street. We're not breaking windows of businesses that have nothing to do with what we're protesting about. We are not putting any cars on fire that, have, that are not owned or have nothing to do with what we're protesting about. We are doing it, as the Constitution said, we're using our freedom of speech and expression to follow the First Amendment. I asked you earlier, how much time do you personally spend here? Um, now I'm all the way down to uh, about 80 hours, 75 to 80 hours. But when I'm gone, this is an in-person interview. The amount of interviews I do by phone text or people that have my Gmail three sentences, answer three sentences. Another three sentences, it can go back and forth, half an hour, it could be Finland, Denmark, it could be Al Jazeera, it could be uh, Russia Today, it could be a Peruvian, Ecuadorian, an Australian newspaper, throughout the world, and then they'll translate it themselves into their language. Who can display a message on your vigil here? I will check and I will um, triple fact check any message and if I think that it is worthy to be put up. I will also take consideration from um, three volunteers. Um, we have a few friends out there in the um, anti-nuclear world that if they had a message, I'd probably fact check it one time and if it's something that I would put up, I'd put it up. If it's a human rights violation, I check into it a couple of times. And usually we can, um, we can filter out or sift out which one is real and which one is um, closer to maybe a few families having scuffle with a few other families. One time that was the case um, in Ecuador. And we don't like that, you know, families were having scuffle with other family, but it wouldn't be um, the same as a human rights violation where somebody that is of a, uh, has an upper hand is doing it to a complete community. We want resolution in that as well, though. 
do people sleep in this little hut you have here? No, by law, no. <laughs> I was going to say, by law, no. By reality, this, as the wind flies. <laughs> does somebody have to be here 24 hours a day in order for the pyramid to last? Yes. The only time that we are not here is by demand of one of the three jurisdiction uh, police that are over this area, the Secret Service, Metropolitan, or Park Police, and then we're outside uh, of, you know, outside of the park, on Lafayette, outside Lafayette Square on 8th Street. How often has that happened? Um, a lot less now in the last two years and a couple of months than before. Why has it changed? Well, there was a two-month period, and then there was another four-month period at the end of Donald Trump's administration that he had a uh, about 11-foot, what's called an unscalable fence around the perimeter of the park. Um, I was able to come in, not very frequently, but especially if they knew that there was strong winds the day before, come in and straighten things out and make sure that the vigil was okay. But um, the general population wasn't allowed to come into the park. How often has this structure that you have here been removed? Not, I'll say it's been moved every inauguration because they built a viewing uh, stage here that is actually a two-floor house. It's for the generals and their wives. Um, we understand that. Um, so we do move it sometimes to the middle of the park. But uh, one time, by again request of the Secret Service, out of the park. I saw somewhere where you're a professor of uh, Occupy University. Okay, the friends of mine in the Occupy movement, um, there was a decent amount of my young friends that are at least generation younger than me um, that would call me professor. I'd come into the library and because each one of them had, they call their collection of books a library. I call my collection of books a truth brary because of the word lie, the, the syllable lie. I just remove that and chuck it away and call mine a truth brary. And um, I would teach them on things about those books. If they didn't have the complete writings of Howard Zinn, I'd speak, teach them on other writings of Howard Zinn. Um, I would let them come to my home. I used to live on Florida Avenue, not far away, in Northwest DC. I used to let them use a shower, sometimes cook, and they would see my books. And they'd say, wow, and I have over 6,800 books, at least 2,000 magazine or, or newspapers. Um, and wow, they'd start calling me professor and they go, some start calling me professor of revolutionary and anarchistic studies, but it's not that I'm a professor. It's that the young people of Occupy, and not all of them, but it's a good good amount of occupiers um, called me that. And also those two Colombian anarchists that had come that were part of the Occupy movement in D.C. and they're the ones that set up my first Facebook account. I think. I don't know. There's a couple other accounts that they set up that I don't even know about that I've never logged into that people tell me I'm a professor of anarchistic and revolutionary studies at Occupy University. What does the permit say to you about how long you can be here? <clears throat> Who cares about the permit? If you're holding up the Constitution. Yeah. But there is a permit, isn't there? 
Yeah, the permit says that Ronald Reagan forgot to sign an end date on it. So therefore, when a president forgets to do that, or whoever is the issuer of that, if it was somebody in Congress, and they forget to do that, then I'm going to say this is more legit than something that a president forgot to put an end date on or forgot to actually um, sign it. If you turned in your IRS taxes, if you sent that to the Internal Revenue Service and you didn't put a date on it, they would send it back to you because you didn't put a date after you signed it. Is there any restriction on how much space you can have here? It can not be taller than six feet high, the wood part of it, or um, the plastic, what we will call tenting. Um, it cannot be more than four feet wide, the wood, and then the middle cannot be more than nine feet wide. So a total of 17 by six, and it goes back eight and a half feet. Under the uh, restrictions, do you have to have somebody here 24 hours a day? And if they're not here, will they tear this down? Right. So that's true. Now, uh, we have friends that come by and check on us if we need to use the restroom. We have um, a lot of friends during the weekends that do it. But there's my friend Lori that comes through and checks on uh, my good friend Cody uh, and sometimes sticks around with him for quite a while. They're very good friends. Um, and then the amount of people that are part of the inner circle trusted friends that also do that. You alluded to this earlier. Did you say you're close to 70? Oh, no. I'm a tad bit over 60. Just a t <laughs> well, I didn't think you looked like you were 70. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what in your life have you done when you weren't occupying this vigil in front of the White House? Okay, so in 1974, there was a lot of us that were very uh, vocally active at the beginning of 74 about the Vietnam War. But that's not exclusive to us. And we were protesting the Vietnam War, but also because we lived near the El Segundo Boulevard Aviation Corridor where Boeing, Rockwell, Computer Science Corporation, um, Viacom, um, let's see, Northrop Drummond. So there's a lot of people that had military industrial complex contracts, which were quite honestly, contracts with nuclear industry. Uh, so a lot of us became very knowledgeable about these things because some of the, the people that would rally around what we were doing were um, the children of or the grandchildren of people that worked in the industry. Another thing is that in El Segundo Boulevard corridor, there's also um, Chevron oil, the refinery. So there's people working in the petroleum industry or in the nuclear um, military industrial complex funded industry. So out of that came a group of young people that just started being called by me and five other people, the Anarchistic Youth Brigade. And then it took on um, a little bit of a life of its own. Um, for Howard, uh, Trevor uh, Shakespeare, Talbert Tompkins, myself, um, and then quite a few others joined in on what we were doing and I call them my brothers and my sisters and they were very aware of of what was going on with military industrial complex as far as it pertained toward nuclear but not only nuclear weapons um, nuclear power facilities which are always built along natural waterways the water is flushed back into the natural waterways. Different presidents have raised the amount that's called safe parts per million, but how can it be safe parts per million if they're gonna raise the number?
because there was a safe parts per million at one time, but you just want to keep on letting it be still considered safe. How do you financially support this? Well, there's people that put money into a bucket here. I do have mission statements in the Philippines, um, in Panama. Uh, actually, in two weeks, there will be a Venezuelan student, the last of my four, that will be graduating from the University of Peru in Trujillo. Um, and then my funding of the Amasalasi Orphanage in Ethiopia. So there are mission statements that we hold. I make sure that there's water here um, for the volunteers. There's a lot of food that comes in from uh, people like uh, Food Not Bombs, um, Vietnam Vets Against War. Thank you, Rossi. Um, from Rossi. <laughs> um, Who's Rossi? Rossi, she's a um, Cambodian lady. She's a blind lady. She likes to come through and um, drop sodas off. Um, sometimes I give, I have canned goods that I'll give her. Other things that I give her for her too. It's a mutual respect thing, because um, she's a blind woman. She walks with a blind stick. She's cool. So has anybody ever tried to remove you from here? And did they come close? Yeah, I mean, it's been taken to court 18 times, D.C. court 18 times, Court of Appeals 18 times, federal court, so, yeah. What happens in court? Well, as you can see, this is not a mirage. You're here. So, you, therefore, the outcome is always favorable to us. Do you go to the court and do you testify? Yeah, me, William Thomas, yeah. Um, I believe Concepcion did once or twice, too. Yeah. What do the judges say? Well, as soon as the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution starts being read, they usually reach for the gavel. Who is it that wants to remove you? There's been presidents, senators, governors, and House of Representatives that have thought that they had the power to remove us. But once again, they all vowed on the Constitution that, um, that they would defend the Constitution and the people of the United States of America for from all enemies, foreign and domestic, so they should know that themselves, that they vowed on that, and they shouldn't come after people that they vowed to protect or the Constitution that they vowed to protect. How many other kinds of protesters come to this area? Um, there's religious protesters that actually speak out about every single other religion other than theirs. I, I consider that a protest. I don't consider when they're only speaking about their faith, but when they're attacking and assaulting other faiths, um, then they're a protester. Um, there are people that use it to play revolutionary music. There's people that come out protesting for their individual nations, human rights violations that are going on or war going on in their nation. Um, there's environmental protesters, which we are part of that because it's a human right to have a clean environment. There are uh, climate protesters, again, a human right to have a livable climate. So all, anything that falls under human rights violations will take on. So a lot of the activists and the protesters out here, we are pretty close friends with. You said earlier you have 6,800 books? Yeah, at least. How many of those have you read? 92%. When do you read? Well, sometimes somebody's not interviewing me. <laughs> Do you read inside your little well, you, hut here? Well, you know, during daylight hours, I think that sunlight is uh, 
pretty good. And here we got C.S. Lewis. Of course, I, I just put that on top of the Constitution. But I have a lot of books. Um, Trump, Trumpocracy. By David Frum. Yeah, very, very nice book. I agree. <laughs> who, who, what do you enjoy reading the most? Uh, Hunter S. Thompson, William S. Burroughs. Those, that's what I. That's what I enjoy reading the most. Why? It reminds me of my youth. It reminds me of things my father used to speak to me about. Um, he's still alive, but when I was young, growing up, what he used to speak to me about more was some of that kind of humorous content, but within political humor. Um, Allen Ginsberg. Um, so that where, generation, where, the beatniks. Generation. Where did you grow up? Um, Amazon, um, L.A. County. Moved around quite a bit in L.A. County, so I want to pick out just one city. Um, then uh, East Africa, uh, England a little bit, and then back to the States. So I'm an international mutt. How... How old is your father and where does he live? My father is 87, maybe 88. Um, he's in Long Beach, California. Where's he from originally? He's from East Africa. And why did he come here in the first place? Um, he came a couple times before he brought the family. But in it, he also was anti the Korean War. He's anti-war. He doesn't like war. He doesn't like people doing unto people what he wouldn't do unto his own mother, his own children, his wife, his grandchildren. You know, his brothers and sisters shouldn't be treated with the mess that so-called humans. But they, I guess not so-called humans. They're human. Humane and human is different. When have you met somebody who is pro-war? Oh, we're in D.C. Anyone that's voted for yes for a war is pro-war. What do you do, though, when somebody's shooting at you? When, when you're confronted with that, do you just let them shoot at you? I'm not anti-self-defense. I believe that there's a place for um, each nation having military. I believe that if your country, if domestic soil is attacked, I can understand also in the case of if your territories are attacked, Guam, Puerto Rico, U.S. Virgin Islands, American Samoa. But there's nations that go into wars where their nation wasn't attacked. Korea didn't attack us. Vietnam didn't attack us. Bosnia, Croatia, Herzegovina, Yugoslavia didn't attack us. Um, now, there's a little bit of attack on, on boats, U.S. boats, by in Somalia. Was it paramount? Was it tantamount to it being a war escalation? I don't think so. But we've never been at what... There's a lot of these that are not considered or not claimed to be wars. Anything that's a war action. Any dropping of bombs is a war action. So there's one president said, well, I've never engaged in war. But how many times did he drop... Um, military devices on nations so he did acts of war without them being declared a war if you drop something that you yourself is calling the mother of all bombs 
on a populated area, that's an act of war. Whether our own military wants to call it a war or anyone in Congress wants to call it a war, the definition of dropping any military device on a populated area is an act of war. Do you ever have people come here and argue with you about your stand versus theirs? I love it. I love it when they do. Actually, I'll say that 80% of those that do leave realizing that when they talk to me long enough, not the one that shouts three things and keeps walking, but ones that come and really want to deal with it, want to almost debate with me, they walk away realizing that we've come closer together due to them talking to me. And that's a good thing. Because I don't want to have something against my fellow civilian. It's good that they come, they had one understanding of what this is all about. And then they left saying, wasn't what anybody else had told me it was about. Because there's myths that are created. And when you can dissolve a myth, and now it's now left to the human and human conversation, then part of the myth is washed away. How often has a politician come here? Ah, that one, I don't know if I'm going to go there, but it's happened. And do they come here because they're on your side, or do they come here because they don't like the fact that you're out here in the middle of Lafayette Park? The ones that have come out here have generally um, the, been on our side because they're cowardly and they won't come out here. They'll try to use the courts because they are just like the one that says three words and walks away. They don't come out here to get wisdom and understanding of what this is about. They don't want wisdom and, and honesty within their understanding of what this is about. They just want to have follow the opinions of different people in the press, not C-SPAN. C-SPAN is not included in that, let me say. <laughs> but, um, and some of media has been part of the propaganda machine about what this is about. How do you stay up with the news? Uh, laptops, phones, the people from those nations themselves that come here. People are in D.C. They file paperwork with their embassy and their consulates. And they usually can't pick up that paperwork the minute they drop it off. Usually they tell them 48, 72 hours. And if a weekend happens to get in the way of 78, I mean 72 or 48 hours, then it's that amount of time plus a weekend. So they might be in town for six, seven days. And eventually this house across the street is a magnet for them to come and see. So I've met a lot of people from Panama, a lot of people from... I don't know why I said Panama first, every single nation. So how many languages do you speak? I'm octolingual. Octolingual. What does that mean? Octo, it's um, eight. What are they? Well, I'll just say five African languages and then Portuguese, English, and Spanish. What do you think about living in the United States? Um, a lot of advantages. Um, 
but you got to filter through a lot of those advantages. Like the United States, according to our students killed on school campuses, is the number one country on the planet. 288 in the last three decades, as opposed to number two, Mexico, eight. 288, number two, eight. So there's, I, I would be frightened to be a parent and send my child to school in the United States. Even though I, I came through the US um, education system for most of my life. And if you're studious, you shouldn't be wiped off the face of the earth for doing the right thing and just attending class. You told us your father was from East Africa, still alive. How about your mother? From the Amazon. She's still alive. Yeah. She's 80. She might have turned 85. She's 84 or 85. Where does she live? With pops. Man, those two, they walk hand in hand, walking down the street. What they, are they like? They're like a 16 and 19-year-old that walk down the street and still, like, pull over open doors. You know, she talks about things that on the rights, human rights. She might not call it human rights, but that's what basically comes out of her mouth. My father speaks to me about war actions, um, politics, the lingering effects of a human rights violation or a war. How do you know that this whole effort that you're involved in matters? Does it need to matter? I'm asking you. That's what that's my answer is. All it needs to be is a display so that if anybody else comes here and sees and says, hey, against unwanted and non-provoked wars, against nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons were not created for anything else than mass annihilation. I mean, what happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki horrible to say this because of course many died in Hiroshima and Nagasaki but they're toys compared to the modern nuclear device the Tsar Bomba of Russia and our most powerful nuclear kinetically explosive devices so it's sad that something that took out a 35 mile and a 38 mile area are considered so unlethal now even though they killed that many people there is a demonstration of some kind going on behind me, you can see it. What's it about? Can you tell? Yeah, the brother's just having people dance. He plays dance music, and, and the young people, they dance, and that's what it is. It's, but that's also freedom of expression. So he's using a freedom of expression, make people happy, have them dance in front of the White House. What's the most unusual thing that's happened to you since you've been sitting here all these years? I've got teeth knocked out. By Zionists. Yeah. Actually, another time with a machete coming through the top of the vigil, and as they were slashing the vigil and lunging into the vigil, they were saying, Die, Palestinian whore. I'm not Palestinian. And I've never sold my body for money. But they're saying, Die, Palestinian whore. Um, Let's see, I've had um, a, a man from Egypt who socked me, sorry, in the left eye, and I had a laceration. And then on that one, 
um, the Department of Justice dropped the charges, he went on to um, commit um, pistol whipping on somebody in Kentucky. Uh, in Montana, he had backhanded and stole from that um, liquor store and then in Indiana he commit murder and they could have all stopped that by prosecuting the guy that attacked me here he would not have had an opportunity because he would not have been, been free in society if they would have gone on and charged him what's the nicest thing anybody's ever done for you sitting here front of the White House spread what this is all about to the masses that's the nicest thing somebody can do. There's, it's, it's sweet when a young lady appreciates it or gives me a kiss or a gentleman shakes my hand or, hey, come on, or a man comes and gives me a kiss on the cheek because that happens too, you know? Um, but I, I think I appreciate more spreading the knowledge of what this is about. Have you had, uh, over the years, uh, a spouse? Yes, I did. Do you have one now? No. No. No? Do you have any children? No. So, w what is your plan, personally, about how long you'll keep doing this? It could be my last breath. It could be my last breath. But, now, I haven't, I don't have consistent volunteers. I have like the people that might walk by that might be uh, younger than me. The people that occasionally bring me a meal that might bring younger than me. Um, or somebody will just sit here and you know, support me and taking time being with me. But I don't have anyone that's seriously contemplating whether they would like to do the vigil or not into the future or into a decade or two decades. Um, so I don't think I don't know if there's anyone that will be like me. It might end up being pieced together by a bunch of people that'll end up doing 17 hours a week here, 22 hours a week there. A person that can do a five-hour shift, things like that, might end up happening. There's a large group of students just walking by. Right, and that's what happens all the time. That happens every day, and sometimes they stop and talk to me, and sometimes they walk on by. But what? they at least see somebody using the freedom of speech rights across the street from the White House. Okay, weather. How uh, does weather affect you? What's been the worst weather day you can ever remember? The worst, worst weather day wasn't a day. Um, it started in 94, and it was December 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th. It stopped for the 30th and the 31st. And then it resumed on January 2nd. Snow. And January, it was blizzard. Blizzard. Yeah, a little more than snow. Because snow doesn't have to have 65, 85 mile an hour winds. But a blizzard is snow plus that wind. And when you know in advance, you bring food. You bring um, water. For myself, I'd have to have iced coffee, but I'd like to put a little cream in my iced coffee. So I'd bring, instead of cream, milk. And it's not going to go bad. I'm in a blizzard. Do I need a refrigerator in a blizzard? I need more ice for my ice pack? <laughs> Reach out and get it. Boom. Has this <laughs> structure ever blown away? Um, the um, the um, wooden 
board to my uh, left was about 40 feet down and my good friend um, Craig Thompson about six foot one 290 pound of a man picked it up and waddled his way back and stuck it right there and that was during um, right after a hurricane but it, there's no sense at all that hurricanes and tornadoes that have lifted tr trees that were rooted into the soil by 25 feet by their roots can get lifted up and flown half a block away and it didn't destroy something that's made out of PVC, um, tarp, uh, crutches, um, and cinder blocks. There's no, it's not logical. Were you here when the people were struck by lightning right over, yeah, right over just there. 100 feet from that's, there? Yeah, yeah, right there. You see where the missing branches right yes. there? Yeah, right there. They died? Uh, three of them died. Three of them died? Yeah. And you were here on that day at that time? I had just been relieved. So I was rolling up, and I was parallel with them on this side. And my buddy Nate, who at that time was willing to help me out, and is a good guy. Um, uh, so he was here. He had just, um, yeah, he'd just taken over to do an evening shift. And... Yeah, I was straight parallel with that, but on the other walk path, so 80 feet away, 100 feet max away when that happened. When, and I was looking forward toward the White House. Um, and it took me about 90 seconds to 120 seconds, between a minute and a half and two minutes, for me to realize I hadn't gone blind. Everything in front of me looked white. But when you're that close to lightning strike, I, I wasn't electrocuted. And maybe just like this doesn't get blown over in a hurricane, a blizzard, a tornado. I wasn't electrocuted. Something kept me safe. You mentioned earlier when you were rolling in, you are in a wheelchair. Yes. Uh, what's your disability? Um, I've had uh, several injuries to uh, the right ankle. How hard is it to get around in this town? Fortunately, the bus services are decent. Um, the metro service is pretty good. I'd say it's, I've taken the BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit. I've taken uh, the subway system in New York. They're better. Uh, I think the train system is here better than it is in LA County, or at least when I was living there. So. Um, but it's it's adequate train system and pretty decent bus system. What's a good day for you? The day that I rise up and I'm able to keep on telling people that human rights violations are an affront to humanity and the longevity of our lives. A day where I can speak against the nuclear and atomic industry and a day when I can help spread the news that People should be treating each other humanely. So stop being human and start being humane. Don't only think with your brain, run it through your heart. If you won't do it to your grandparents, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, or your children, you don't do it to anybody. Has any president ever been over here to see you? And if 
Okay, what? the answer is yes, and I won't reveal the names because it's been in it's been in the press before, and I don't because I'm it's it's about the vigil, it's about the vigil. So the reason they came it was one one came and it wasn't about the vigil; it was about bringing over food, and that one I'll mention George W. Bush. He what came did, to bring over food, a couple of Thanksgivings. What did he say to you? Dropped off the food and he said, it's a lonely day out here. And first time, and I said, well, you know, it's Thanksgiving Day. Everybody's in front of a tube watching football or sleeping off the tryptophan from the turkey. <laughs> and he's a funny man. George W. Bush is a funny man. I mean, he's got a smile on the face. He looks humorous. He's cool. Now, I might not agree with his politics, but remember, there was a vice president in that administration who got away with shooting somebody in the face. <laughs> you know, so I, between the two of them, if I have to pick one of the two, I'm going to go George W. Bush over, you know, Dick Cheney. But Dick Cheney's Dick Cheney. Has anybody else that we know by name gone out of their way to come say hello to you? Many that you know by name, but they don't have to be mentioned here. Why, why don't you want to mention them? Because it's about the vigil. That one is because it was humorous that I just mentioned. George W. Bush. It had nothing to do with politics. It had everything to do with being a humane. Hey, there's somebody out there that's probably hungry on a day where everybody's with a family. That's a day that somebody wasn't going to come by like Rossi did and bring me a beverage. That's the day that some, nobody was going to come by and hand me a turkey dinner because they're with their family. They're getting ready for that thing called Black Friday. If they're not watching football and they're not sleeping off the tryptophan, they got to get in their sleep because they have to be... Um, I mean, in that time, they weren't, they, it wasn't Black Thursday. <laughs> you know, at that time, it was true Black Friday. But if the stores opened at 6 a.m., they had to be there at midnight just to be one of the first 50 people at the store. So, um, I thought that that was actually a humane thing to do, even though maybe some of the things that he was doing throughout the planet, and not him, but his administration, some of the things of Congress voted on um, to allow there to be war in Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, later on, uh, the 9-11 reports, if you're going to go by that, it didn't say that a single Afghani were on those airplanes. It didn't say a single Iraqi was on those airplanes. Do but, you vote? Yes. What part of this area do you live in? Northern Virginia. That's where I'm registered to vote. So before we close this down, I want to go back to the 18 times somebody's tried to get you removed. Okay. Who filed those suits against you? I, I'll repeat again. Members of the Senate, members of the House of Representatives, so governors, House of Representatives, and across the street, presidents so of the United to, States. You had the White House folks, People the in House Congress. and the Senate. Yeah. <clears throat> Each of those 18 times came from those sources? Yes. Filippo, thank you very much You're welcome. for letting us have this chat with you. You're welcome. And always peace and love be with you. Thanks for listening to the Book Notes Plus podcast. Please rate and review Book Notes Plus, and don't forget to follow so you never miss an episode questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at 
podcasts at c-span.org.